Good morning, and welcome to Sunday morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and I welcome you to this day of worship, Sabbath, and celebration. As we edge ever more into the fall, we are reminded again that this is God's world, and for that, we give thanks. So I invite you to join us as we celebrate and worship today our God of joy, grace, and love. Come on in. The first lesson today comes from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33, verses 14 through 16. Follow me, if you like, with your few Bibles. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson is our gospel reading for today. We are in Luke 21, verses 25 through 36. This is Luke 21, 25 through 36. Listen for the word of the Lord. <clears throat> there will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life. And, that day, and, and may that day not catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So if you know Mel Brooks, who is a comedian, uh, producer, director, um, kind of 
silly pun-filled movies, um, all kinds from Blazing Saddles to History of the World, all kinds of things. For a while, he and Carl Reiner, one of his partners in crime, would do a bit, and that's what it is, called The 2,000-Year-Old Man. And so Mel Brooks would pretend to be 2,000 years old, and Reiner would be the interviewing, interviewer asking him questions. And so a part of that conversation started this way. Reiner says, did you always believe in God? And Brooke, as the 2,000-year-old man, says, no, we had a guy in the village named Phil, and we worshiped him. Reiner says, you worshiped a guy named Phil? Why? He says, because he was big and mean and could break you in two with his bare hands. And then Reiner says, did you pray to him? And Brooks answers, yes. Would you like to hear a prayer? Oh, Phil, please don't be mean and hurt us or break us in two with your bare hands. So Reiner says, when did you start worshiping God? And his answer, he said, well, one day a big thunderstorm came up and a lightning bolt hit Phil. We gathered around and saw that he was dead. Then we said to one another, there's something bigger than Phil. Dun, dun, dun. And so there is, and so we focus today. As we step, baby step into Advent, which is our season of preparation for the coming of the Christ child, just as we have six weeks of Lent to prepare ourselves for the events of Holy Week and the resurrection, we have four weeks that we prepare ourselves for the coming of the Christ child that changed the world forever. As Vicki lifted up, you can look and see different cues around the room to know that things are a little different. We have our Advent wreath that we light every year. Again, one more we will light until the Christ candle itself on Christmas Eve. If you look, we see, yes, little Christmas trees. There's one big Christmas tree, but why isn't it lit and why doesn't it have some kind of ornamentation on it? Well, the whole idea with Advent is that we are preparing we don't start this Sunday singing Silent Night or all of those great Christmas carols that we will get to, but Advent is a building process. It means coming or to prepare. And what are we preparing for? The coming of Christ as a child as we observe him breaking into the world, God with us, in the form of this little child. And so as we move week to week, you'll see more progress, you'll see more things being decorated as we get closer and closer and building and building. Now this first Sunday, it's a little odd because I didn't hear anything about the baby being born. I didn't hear anything about Joseph or Mary or angels or any of those pieces. It sounded rather bleak didn't it? There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth distress among nations, confusion by the rowing seas and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of heavens will be shaken. That's a little scary. 
That's not so Christmassy. But one of the things that we always need to realize is that while we are preparing for the coming of the Christ child, we are also saying, come Lord Jesus, the second time. The second coming that is put together with this eschatology that just means end times. You look at Daniel and prophecies, Joel prophecies in the Old Testament. You look at Revelation, the last book of our New Testament that includes these, what will this end time uh, look like? And today is the day that we realize that when we proclaim the coming of the Christ child, we are also proclaiming, come Lord Jesus again. That puts a little more stress, a little more pressure on you, doesn't it? We can celebrate the Christ child, that's easy. But what if God heeds our cry to have come to Christ come again for the second time? Are we ready? Well, the whole understanding in this second coming is that Christ came the first time as the infant and grew. We know about his life, what we know, his teachings, his ministry. He reconciled people to God, the resurrection, his healings, the miracles, all those things, the cross, the resurrection, and then ascended, went up back to join God in God's kingdom, but ushered in the kingdom when he came. So that was the before, and we are to the not yet, which is the second coming where we fully expect Jesus, it's not an if, it's a when. It could be right now. Or it could be another thousand years. This is God's time, it is not ours. People throughout time, as you well know, think they can predict, and every once in a while, somebody or some fringe group will bubble up and think that they know when the second coming will take place and Christ will come back and the world will change forever. But again and again and again, they are proven wrong. Each time they look at their culture and society just as we do, and we think we are more messed up now than the world has ever been. This has got to be the time that Christ is coming back. We are spiraling out of control. Everything is a mess. The world is broken. Power is abused. People are denied their basic rights in the world. They are suppressed and oppressed by the governments that should be seeking to help and empower them. Hate, violence, crime, all of those things continue. Martin Luther, Protestant reformer, in 1522, wrote this sermon based on our text today. It's two paragraphs. It's more than I would normally use for a quote, so hang on with me. I will not permit anyone, Luther says, to deny me the right to believe that the last day is near at hand. These words and signs of Christ compel me to believe that such is the case. 
For the history of the centuries that have passed since the birth of Christ nowhere reveals conditions like those of the present. 1522. There has never been such building and planting in the world. There has never been such gluttonous and varied eating and drinking as now. Wearing apparel has reached its limits in costliness. Who has ever heard of such commerce as now encircles the earth? There have arisen all kinds of art and sculpture, embroidery and engraving, the likes of which has never been seen during the whole Christian era. In addition, men are so delving into the mystery of things that today a boy of 20 knows more than 20 doctors formerly knew. There is such a knowledge of languages and all manner of wisdom that it must be confessed the world has reached such great heights in the things that pertain to the body, or as Christ calls them, cares of life. Eating, drinking, building, planting, buying, selling, marrying, given in marriage. Then everyone must see and ruin or change must come. There was never such keenness, understanding, and judgment among Christians in bodily and temporal things as now. I forbear to speak of the new inventions, printing, firearms, and other implementations of war. This compels me to believe that Christ will soon come in judgment. It must soon break in upon them. So Luther thought even in his day, the end was near. The world was full. Those weren't all bad things he was saying. He's saying there's such innovation. There's such new things in the world, such learning and understanding that certainly the world is near its end. 499 years later, we know that not to have been the case. So what we know about this time is that it will end at some point, and we are to be ready. Very simply, however you interpret those end days, and there are lots of interpretations. You remember the Left Behind series? That was such the Christian phenomenon years ago, those books about the rapture, everybody disappearing who were gone to heaven, everybody left behind. Well, you didn't quite make it. Sorry. There are always different understandings that are often fear-based on the symbolism in Revelation. And we need to take all of that seriously and look at it. But from my perspective, we do not follow a God who is 50% to devil and the evil's other 50%. We don't wait until the end times to then engage in some cosmic warfare between good and evil. All of that has been done. It was done in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God is not at the mercy of any other power. God is all-knowing and all-powerful. In the end time will be how God has designed it. Personally, I believe that Christ will come again in a way that we will all understand. And you won't need theologians or priests or pastors to help you understand that. It will be clear to everyone. 
And at that point, I believe the world will end as we have known it, and God's kingdom will be brought to fruition. Because now it is not complete, it has not been redeemed, and on that second coming day, it will, with us as a part of that. Those things that are mentioned are scary. And the natural world will be some of these cues to us, although there's always some degree of scary in the natural world. Folks have been trying to checklist these guidelines from the beginning of time. Even Christ said, I don't know the hour or the time. If Christ doesn't know it, why would we think we would? So we don't need to spend our time trying to decode the Bible and look for when this will happen. We need to be ready now. Because Christ will come like a thief in the night, not in that negative sense to take something from you, but rather to give you life. And as people who follow Christ, this is what we are all about. We do not need to wait for Christ to come and then say, okay, now I believe. Because I believe it will be too late at that point. This journey that we're on now is meant for us to seek to follow Christ who loves us, who is, this is not a punitive God who is looking to make us suffer like Phil in the 2,000-year-old man. He was afraid that they would break him and was mean, and so they prayed to him. It is such bad theology to look at God with those lenses. Yes, God is all-powerful and can squish us like any bug that God has made. And yet, we know through Christ God's love for us and God's calling for us and it says twice in this passage that we on that day are called to stand, to hold our heads up, that we may be redeemed on that day as well. So that isn't just a passive be awake and be ready. The way that we prepare for the coming of the Christ child as an infant or this second coming end times is to build the kingdom now that Christ ushered in 2,000 years ago. In the already in the not yet of when Christ was born and will come again, it is us that God has chosen to work through. We know this. And so the master has left the house in our control to be stewards of what God has given us. And it is our job to actively build the kingdom of God. And that's not easy. We do it in small ways and we do it in large ways. But what I mostly want to convey to you today is that for all of us who prepare ourselves now, the end times will be one where Christ will bring us to the point and place that we need to be. 
I believe we all experience a smaller idea of the second coming at the end of this earthly life because we get to be with Christ immediately in a way that is more directly relational than we often feel in this earth. So come, Lord Jesus. Give us the courage and the strength to stand so that on this day and that day we would raise our heads up to be redeemed by the one who loves and created us. You need not fear the end times should we seek to follow Christ. You need not worry what all that is going to look like. It's out of your hands anyway. All you can do is watch, be ready, and prepare your hearts and lives as disciples of Christ on this earth, continuing to build Christ's kingdom. So hold your head up. Stand with the courage of a disciple and child of Jesus Christ, who died and rose for you. And seek in this world to have the courage to live as one who is waiting for the master to arrive in our hearts in this life and then again for a second time for the world. It's not if, it's when. So let's use this time of preparation to be more ready, to seek this relationship ever closer to Christ with one another as a faith community and with the larger body of Christ, to share the love of God, not the fear, not that you better believe or else, but look what God is and has done for you in love, in grace, And today in hope. Our hope is rooted in a resurrected Christ whose light will never be overcome by the darkness. So then with open eyes, let us enter this season of Advent and to see how Christ will come into our hearts and lives this season. Hallelujah. Amen.